content warning. Tone Deaf is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the shows we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. And what you hear in the background there is my partner Kay, who's a musical theater nerd and might be a little excited for today's show. It's so good, Warren. Warren, it's so good. Oh my god. Was it whimsical? It was whimsical as fuck. <laughs> that was going to be my follow-up question. Oh my god. Oh my god. You guys, if you haven't watched Jingle Jangle yet, you have to. It's like, pretty goddamn cute. It, okay, folks, folks, I am not kidding right now. We always say that there's spoilers in every episode. But if you have not seen Jingle Jangle yet, pause. Then go to Netflix. I don't care if you're at work right now. <laughs> Tell your boss that Kay told you you have to do this. Tell your boss you gotta get your jangle on. Tell your boss you gotta get your jangle on. Go watch Jingle Jangle and then come back and listen to the show. Because, oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so happy I went into that completely blind. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This ah, is such a good movie. It's such a good movie. Your excitement is very cute. I loved it so much. I enjoyed it. I actually like a Christmas movie. See, I <laughs> I I enjoyed it more. You know, okay, uh, for our, for our newer listeners who may not know, Warren's a bit of a humbug. Uh not for any reason in particular other than I'm just kind of a humbug. Uh so Christmas stuff does not necessarily is not necessarily my favorite. Um mm. This was really good, mm-hmm. and like we talked about it actually after watching it, one of the reasons that we kind of feel like that it was so good is that there wasn't any Santa and there wasn't any Jesus. It yeah. was a completely different type of of it was so Christmas story. Refreshing. It was so wonderful because for folks who because I've never mentioned this on the show, I. I used to watch as sort of like a guilty pleasure thing, old Christmas specials, and then like, I I started to fall out of it when I started seeing Hallmark Christmas specials and How just ABC Family Christmas specials. Yeah, and then it made me look back on other Christmas specials and go, oh my god, it's the same fucking thing, except mm-hmm. for that in some of these it's a rom-com element added into it, so... And it's always white people. It's always white people. <laughs> well, Kay, They're... the song goes, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. We did that show last year. We're not doing it this year. Um, but, like, I I, I sit here and I, I think back on stuff. Because, like, there are black Christmas movies and black Christmas musicals. 
but they're not like this. Well, so many times what you've talked about and what we've talked about is whenever black people are the focus of something, it's black pain. Yeah, it's, that's all that Hollywood wants. It's struggling. It's, yeah. You know, and granted, there is, like, struggle in this show. Yeah. Like, there is adversity. Well, not so much adversity, but there is trials being overcome. But it's there's no racism. It's, it's not because they're black. It's, not it's because, because of... Ah! It's, it's one of those things that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is... Is this how white people who like Christmas movies feel <laughs> all the time? Because if so, I want to feel this all the time. I, I cannot speak for myself as a pasty I, person. I almost asked one of our co-workers, like, is, is this how it feels? Is this how it feels to be white at Christmas? Because <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the most whimsical stuff. And it's so good. And it's got such a good heart. And the music's amazing. And I, that is absolutely my favorite thing about this show was the music. Mm -hmm. I was typing my notes and there are times I'm just sitting there like bobbing as I'm typing my notes. And yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I... <sighs> Because I, I sit here and think about the few Christmas movies that I do unironically like. And they're either really cynical stuff, like, uh, well, maybe not cynical, but like comedies that are more on the irreverent side. Or it's the old Rankin-Bass specials, and the only reason that I like them is because I liked them as a kid. Rankin-Bass has a, uh, a, I don't want to say timeless charm, but it has... A definite quality to it mm -hmm. that still is entertaining even decades later. Yeah, and it's it's they're very iconic. Yeah. So those and those ones kind of get a pass in a, and to a certain extent. When it comes to Christmas stuff, uh, for me, my list is pretty short. It's mm -hmm. uh, Christmas Story. Mm -hmm. um, Good choice. And then it's Scrooged. Mm -hmm. Good and choice. Muppets Christmas Carol. Good choice. And uh, like I like Christmas Carol. Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. Mm -hmm. Like I, I like Christmas Carol. Uh, that story. That's probably the only Charles Dickens story that I actually care for. It's um, the only one that's good. But <laughs> <laughs> and so I tend to like stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. I, I tend to like stuff where it's more about. I shouldn't be that mean to Dickens. Dickens does have good stuff. No, Dickens. Well, Dick, <laughs> Dickens is fine. I just, as we talked about, whenever I had required reading, that's mm -hmm. you know the classics that always made me hate something because I'm yeah. like, they told me I had to read this. I didn't choose to read it. Uh, <laughs> you raped my brain with knowledge. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a little. little but uh, I, I think with the Chris movies that I like the most is when it's more about uh, human kindness mm -hmm. and not so much like... Which, this yeah. one? Really good. All about that human kindness. Really good. Uh, ah! I actually do want to watch this again Me so too. that I can, I, can, I can not take notes and watch it. Mm -hmm. I, I will gladly watch it again, especially because now... I know what's going to happen. And <laughs> surprise feels. Kay can surprise prepare. feelings. For surprise feels. Let's talk about it. You want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. Okay, folks. Spoilers start now. So, again, if you haven't seen it, pause, come back. Let's go. The show opens up with a little girl staring into the fireplace and seeing spirits. Her brother is like, oh, are you staring into the fire again? That's silly. 
You're silly. And the sister is like, no, I see something. I really do. And her brother is like, it's just fire. And the girl gets sad. Luckily for her, though, Grandma is here to move the plot away from the fireplace. And the kids want Grandma to read them some lame-ass generic Christmas story. <laughs> but Grandma is like, nah, I'm gonna blow your minds with an awesome new story. And the Grandma pulls out this metal phone book of a book. It's, it's a brick of a tome. And it it's is, clockwork at the top of it. It is massive what she pulls out. And uh, the kids are thrown off and they're all... Let's see, wait. And Grandma pulls out this brick of a tome that is all clockwork mechanical and shit. The kids are thrown <laughs> off all, you've never read that story to us before. And Grandma is like, I've never read this book to anyone. It was in mint condition, but I've broken the seal for you kids, so you better be grateful. <laughs> Grandma talks about the greatest inventor of all time, Geronicus Jangle, and his amazing toy store where he makes amazing inventions and stuff. His shop, Jang was it Jangle and Things? Yes. I wrote it as Jangle and Stuff. So, <laughs> Jangle and Things is a hopping place full of cool clockwork creations, and... I love the opening credits to this. It was there's there is so much energy in this show and I I just it it was nice. Yes. It was nice and it was I don't know. I will say especially I mean things get sad later, but at least in the very beginning it was nice seeing this really happy family in yes. their their uh family business, you know. That are loved by everybody. That are loved by and, everybody. Like, that was another thing that, like, it's definitely set in 1800s London or England, somewhere about there. You don't see diversity in, like, most period pieces. This was a diverse as fuck cast. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. And, like... It was it was one of those things where I'm sitting here like that. I wish that this alt universe was real. Oh yeah. my god, I wish this was a real world, yeah, and not just a story because yeah. it was so beautiful and it was wonderful. And I, yeah, oh, I love this movie. I think this may be one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Understandable. Mm-hmm. Geronicus Jangle gets a package, and sings about how this is going to be amazing. He opens up this package and shows it to all the little boys and girls. Everyone dances with excitement in Jangle's shop, singing about how he's been waiting his whole life for this day, and how he's leaving, so he's giving away all his cool shit. Jangle's assistant is like, uh, this is short notice, and I, uh, you know, was planning for my career, so like, what about me? I was hoping to work up to assistant manager. Oh, oh, you're already singing out of the store and onto the street. Okay, I'll, I'll wait here patiently and somberly. Jangle runs to his daughter and is like, I have this magical glowing pendant to give you. Put this in her, and he puts it in her hand before running away and dancing with some, with some more of the crowd. The intro excitement song ends and the daughter, Jessica, is rushing upstairs to get her stuff because she's excited. And Jangle's assistant is like, hey, hey, uh, what, what about me, boss? Remember, you, you said you'd look at my invention, my twirly-whirly? 
and Jangle blows him off because excitement awaits from his mysterious package. Mm-hmm. Jangle leads his wife and daughter into his lab where he writes some magical calculations with glowing sky sand and proceeds to open up his mysterious package. Inside of it is another package, which inside of that <laughs> is another package, which inside of that it has mystery juice. <laughs> Daddy, is that what they're calling it now? That's, well, uh, uh, this is supposed to be a whimsical episode. I'm going to try to keep okay. my, my Richard jokes to a <laughs> minimum, even though I did already make a joke about Jangle opening up his package and showing it to all the little boys and girls. Um, <laughs> Daddy Jangle puts... Uh, here I say this is whimsical. <laughs> very next line. Daddy Jangle puts some of the mystery juice into a machine, and the juice gets all mystified and condensed into even more mysterious mystery juice. Jangle puts that juice into a little mechanical man, and the little mechanical man, Juan Diego, comes to life and tells them how honored they all are to meet him. He created a fucking philosopher's stone. It, so, I'm a little, so we should talk about this. I'm a little confused about uh, the track of events because it was, he gets this package delivered mm -hmm. and inside that package is this cylindrical package. And then we don't know where it came from, right? No, just that he ordered it. He ordered it and he's been waiting for this. So I don't know, where do you order soul juice? I mean... The one <laughs> box he has, or the one uh, piece of luggage he has later that has, like, stamps from where it's been had Wakanda on it, so... Oh, that's right! It did have Wakanda! Yeah, on. like... That was such a nice, a nice little <laughs> Easter egg. So, does, does Wakanda make vibranium juice that animates inanimate objects? Maybe. I mean, this is an alternate universe. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> But yeah, so like he, he pulls out his cylinder and then he, after he opens up the, you know, the, the Russian nesting doll that is this package, <laughs> he gets this little syringe and then he takes this syringe over to like a chemistry set and squirts some of it in, into the thing. And then it does all the, the bells and whistles and steam. And then yeah. out comes a more condensed version of it. Like, cause it goes in one color and then it comes out like really bright green, but less mm. of it. And then he takes it that over to his little, his little, uh, 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 matador, his little matador doll, Juan Diego puts it into mm -hmm. him. And then he just whirls to life. And he's, he's a living sentient Ricky Martin doll, Ricky Martin doll, <laughs> which my eighth grade math teacher, I'm sure love that. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't like her, so... Do you think she would have been watching Jingle Jangle? If she heard... If she still has a thing for Ricky Martin and she heard okay. Ricky Martin was in it, then she probably would. Okay. And just masturbate the whole time, probably. I don't know. She was weird. She had Ricky Martin posters all over her room, and when I was like, I heard, I, I heard he was gay, she threw a marker at me, so... I don't want to think about your teacher masturbating. Neither do I. <laughs> but now I can't help but think of anything else, so... Oh, God. Um, whimsy. 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 Yeah, so Juan Diego comes to life with the condensed spirit juice. And the assistant comes into the room and is like, holy shit, you made soul juice. And Jangle is like, hell yeah, we're going to mass produce these little Juan Diegos and every child in the world will have one. And Juan Diego is like, no, I am one of a kind. 
Every, I will not be mass-produced. Every time you say Juan Diego, I'm thinking of the Catholic school that's down the street. Oh, yeah. There's a private Catholic school in Utah called Juan Diego. I almost went there. Yeah. Almost. Almost. Mm-hmm. That's where uh, Mama Kay did the whole Pirates of Penzance joke at my friend's <laughs> confirmation. Because <laughs> the Knights of Columbus. <laughs> yes. oh. It's like, Mom, no. <laughs> okay, okay. We're back to we're back to uh, uh, Juan Diego, who is an original one of a kind, and he is not excited about the prospect of being mass produced. And he sees like he he first is like, oh, you can't replicate me. I am an original. Mm-hmm. And then he like stumbles. He like looks down at the desk and sees blueprints for him. Yeah, and he's just like, oh shit, I am nothing special. Jang- Daddy Jangle is like, hey, assistant, straighten up and I'll take good care of my little cash cow, the Diego doll. I'm going to go eat some of my wife's dinner and then have celebration sex. <laughs> hey, celebration sex is like the best sex. Not right after dinner, though. You gotta, you I mean, gotta wait a sec. I mean, you know. You, 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 That's how you have celebration vomit all over your partner's <laughs> face. <laughs> We're not speaking from experience. So no. This is nip that in the right in the bud. No. <laughs> the assistant is a little upset as as uh, uh, Jangle leaves the room because he's just feeling very neglected and mm-hmm. forgotten because he's been blown off by Daddy Jangles and his excitement for the new vial of soul juice that got delivered. Meanwhile, Juan Dalego. <laughs> I might change. I don't know. Juan Dalego. <laughs> I liked it and I felt clever when I was typing it up initially. <laughs> Reading it back and not so certain. Kind of on the fence about it. Jesus. But anyway, Juan Dalego is still upset at the prospect of not being the only one of his kind in existence. In existence. He sees that the assistant is sad. And he proceeds to be like, Hey, how does it feel to be an equal partner to Daddy Jangle? And the assistant is like, Well, I'm... Just his assistant. Jangle is the real inventor. And um, <clears throat> and the might actually be evil Dalego is like, Hey, steal that book of inventions and want to run away with me to start our own toy company and put Jangle out of business. The assistant Gas... Gustafson? Gustafson? Gustafson. Gustafson. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way they spell it and it makes it hard for my brain to read it and then my tongue to say it. Gustafson. Gust- son of Gustaf. Gustafson. Gustafoson. <laughs> anyway, Gus. Gus. Uh, <laughs> Gus Gus. Gus Gus. Gus Gus steals Dalego and the book of all the different toy blueprints and stealths away into the night. Jangle finds out too late and he tries to find Gus. But he's nowhere to be found. And he's like bringing in yeah, his dinner he, and everything. Like, like, hey, it's not a family it's, dinner it, without you. And... It's it's this this show. I one thing I will say, it falls into the same kind of pitfalls as other things do, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, talking could have solved this. Yeah, but yeah, and it's it's one of those things of like because Gus Gus is he's an aspiring inventor working in this toy factory too Mm -hmm. we see in the intro scene he's showing off his prototype his twirly whirly which is a little ball with spinning blades on the outside it's a proto sky dancer yeah uh except um metal blades you know that are not like 
There's nothing around the metal blades. They are free spinning. If Skydancer had been created, if Skydancers had been created just ten years earlier, oh. they would have had spinning metal blades. Serrated metal blades, blades, blades. Serrated metal blades filed down to a point no thinner than a molecule, so that they can really soar right through flesh and bone and sinew. Get it today. Uh, Get that with a lawn dart. I wouldn't. I wonder how many people listening know what Skydancers are. Oh, man. I, I still have so many memories of other people having those. You know, I actually wanted one as a kid because they looked oh, cool. I did, too. But they were all, like, fairies and princesses. They and... had guy ones. Did they? Yeah. Why am I only now learning of this? I think, I think that they were either... Because I swear there were guy ones. There were, and there those were, were the ones that I was more into. There were generic, kind of, uh, plastic, just straight color ones, like just mm-hmm. all yellow, all red, all green, and they were flimsier. But I had some of those. But basically, as soon like if you really ripped the cord and like sent them flying, they would like break a wing super easily if they mm-hmm. smacked into something. Just like Sky Dancers, just like the uh, <laughs> brand name one. Okay. And then they go straight into the fireplace. Catch yeah. fire. <sighs> Never happened to me, but I saw it happen on TV once. But yes, back to Gus Gus. So we were talking about, like, it's Gus Gus is showing off his twirly-whirly, and it doesn't quite fly, and he's like, oh, trying to talk to Jangle. And Jangle's like, oh, you know, well, I'll help you fix your your twirly whirly but then that's when the package comes in yeah and jangle loses he busts an excitement nut and he's mm-hmm. just like everything else is you know this is gonna be this is it for everybody i'm gonna mass produce these things we're gonna be famous and and all this great stuff and and uh gus gus is just being kind of pushed to the sideline and then when gus gus is told to clean up the room and look after mm-hmm. evil doll ego uh you know that's when Diego starts to warm inside his brain. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, too. That doll is fucking evil, man. He immediately... Yeah. He's, he had been born for a grand total of, like, three minutes, and he's already identifying that this adult man has emotional vulnerabilities that can be exploited. Yeah, it's why you don't fucking trust talking dolls. This is coming from someone who had a Teddy Ruxpin and loved their Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> but I, you know... If that Teddy Ruxpin started talking on its own, it'd be thrown into the trash. It'd be gone. <laughs> it'd be set ablaze and thrown into the trash. But, Kay, I thought you loved me. Uh, I, I, I was just about... can't take it anymore. <laughs> That's an esoteric joke. Uh, <laughs> okay. Do you want to talk about it? Peel it back the curtain. I guess it works because it's a Christmas toy. Yeah, I have an evil Christmas toy that's in storage that's a dog, and maybe I'll post a link to it on Twitter or something because I posted the video on my old YouTube channel. And it is supposed to sing, I'm getting nothing for Christmas. It doesn't the, sing. <laughs> like, the battery in it is, like, something's wrong with the doll, and so it just kind of goes, it just kind of makes noises, and the video- and it's this little dog yeah. doll. <laughs> and the video, like, the video is just great, because 
you kind of have to sit with it and it's just making noises and then right at the very end as clear as a bell it goes i just can't take it anymore <laughs> i've had that toy oh. since like 10th grade and it was as one of my best friends in high school gave it to me as a christmas present and you know i had it out on display and then it went with all the other Christmas decorations, but then we didn't decorate for a couple of years. And so, you know, you don't think about the Christmas toy dog in there alongside the Santa that Mama K only ever got black Santas. Because <laughs> A, Mama K knew that I do not like human dolls, but I will be more accepting of black human dolls because I'm like, well, okay. You look closer to me, a little more and you're not. Yeah, you look closer to me, and you're not some unnatural shade of peach. And also, like, not like a Chucky doll. Yeah, and also, Mama K was very much like, "No, you're going to be proud of who you are, and I'm going to surround you with this." That's why Mama K bought all those black chairs. And so it's like, ah, that we still have a black Santa kicking around here somewhere. We we have two black Santas. One of them has wine. Ooh. Like a little bottle of wine. And then the other one's a fisherman Santa. That's why he's got all those rosy cheeks. Because mm -hmm. he's drunk. That's uh, also the, the case of regular Santa. Regular Santa's rosy cheeks and rosy nose. This got a little off the drinks. rails. There's no Santa in this show, but we're talking about a Christmas movie. This is true. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Evil Christmas dolls. Talking dolls I generally don't trust. Yeah, I don't either. And uh, that dog is one good reason for it. And this movie, another good reason not to trust a talking doll. But it's just one of those things, like, it's so sad. It's gonna son of Sam you. Because Gus Gus, you know, when he takes Juan Diego and the book of uh, blueprints and leaves, like, you know, a few minutes later... That's when you were like you were saying. That's when Jangle comes up and he's it's like oh he he basically is apologizing oh I'm so, you know I got too excited yeah you know? and he's bringing him up a tray with dinner on it as well as a, a gift box. yeah like a gift box you know and you find out at the end of the movie what's in the box but it's just what's like this it's just it's this whole sad thing because it's yeah. like you get the pre the the assistant who's like my mentor doesn't care about me and then the mentor is like. I got way too excited. I should go show my apprentice that I care about him. And then runs out into the street calling for Looking him for and him, stuff. Yeah. And it's just, oh, that moment. It's like, oh, here comes the knife twist. Yeah, the that, first one. That scene just ends with uh, Jangle on the street just looking sad. And it's nighttime and snowing just as the camera pulls out. Uh -huh. And we go back to Grandma, who narrates the plot forward. The cops didn't believe Jangle about Gus Gus's betrayal, and Jangle started to fade. He started making mistakes, and his business started to fail. Gus Gus used Jangle's book to have blueprints and became the world's richest toy maker. Jangle fell into despair as the business slipped away day after day until the Jangle shop closed, and the Jangle wife died of plot. Jessica yeah. Jangle lost both her parents because her dad lost his mind after her mother died. And Daddy Jangle vowed to never invent ever again. What I love is this whole sequence is done with these woodcut figurines that is, that's from the yes! credits sequence. Yes, 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 yes. Anytime that they need to do like, oh, here's a little bit of time travel or here's... They, they do this in these beautiful woodcut 
dolls. Well, they're CGI, basically. aren't they? Yeah, but yeah. they're they're done to look like wooden dolls yeah. acting out the story and and that oh. that part actually is really good. So when yeah, so in in between parts where the grandmother is narrating to the kids, you would have those those scenes, you know, and it just you know, it kind of looked like stop motion, mm-hmm. but it was CGI uh, wooden yeah. dolls acting out the the scenes that were being described. And, and it's the same dolls that when she opened up the book come up like popping out of the book to show it, like when she first opens the books and you have the credit the opening credit sequence you have uh the wooden dolls acting out and creating this town and then it slowly starts becoming live action instead of these wooden dolls and so i'm a sucker for uh steampunk as well as mm-hmm. like clockwork mechanics like clockwork robots stuff like that Absolutely. when we when i was first seeing little snippets of advertising for this movie mm-hmm. i liked the style immediately but yes. i was also wary because i was like is it going to be too over the top is it going to mm-hmm. be too like and i i was i was kind of reserving uh, judgment for it but i feel like that they did a really good job absolutely um, and the because all the clockwork aspects because jangle you know he's an inventor and since they they're in you know 18th century you know they're still still using lamp oil you know yeah. like that like they do seem to indicate that they have electricity later in some mm-hmm. point but uh you know nobody has power lines or anything yeah so everything is is mechanical but you have all these fantastic inventions that are you know, achieving things just based entirely yeah. on on uh, mechanical clockwork. Yeah, it's and, so cool, and it's done really well. Okay, okay. So, Daddy Jingle, di- uh, Mommy Jingle dies, mm-hmm. and Daddy Jingle is sad, and he vows to never ever invent anything ever again. And after his daughter leaves, Jingle apparently reopened his store, but it's a pawn shop now, no longer mm-hmm. making anything, just fixing things and and taking in junk. And sometimes he fixes shit, but not today. We get a brief bit of Jangle's new kid assistant, who's more of a sweeper than an inventor. But Jangle is like, get out, go home. I don't invent things anymore, and you shouldn't invent things either, because inventing just leads to hardship, more or less. The cute little kid, he he reminded me of um, Urkel. Yes. But he's not... Well, he was a little bit of an Urkel, because Urkel's whole thing was like accidentally fucking up, right? Yeah. So the little kid, we find out later his name is Edison. Mm-hmm. Um, he is well-meaning. Initially, he kind of bugged the piss out of me. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of grew on me. Because <laughs> he, he he gets a little bit of character development. Yeah. He's, he is so, he's just so cute and you just want to protect him. And what's funny about him is he absolutely adores Jeronicus. Yes. Jones. He just thinks he is the... He talks about, you know, he's the greatest inventor in the whole world. The guy's like, I don't invent anymore. But you will. He reminded me of Urkel and Angus MacDonald from the graphic novel versions of The Adventure Zone. There you go. I could see that. Like, he, he yeah, I could I could see that. If there's ever a live <laughs> action kid, kid Adventure Zone. Yeah, that kid would be a good Angus. Uh, oh my gosh, he'd be adorable. But he's funny because when, when Jangle kicks me, he's like, go home, blah, blah, blah. And the kid leaves, you know, a neighbor's like, hi, Edison, did you invent anything today? He's like, not today, but soon. He's just <laughs> so cute. He's so cute. So yeah. cute. Okay, so Edison gets yeeted out of the shop. <laughs> and then we get introduced to a new character, a Miss Johnston. Well, it's Mrs. Johnston mm-hmm. is what 
uh, uh, Jeronicus calls her, but then she's like, no, it's Miss Johnston. And the this woman... thirstiest postal, the, postal worker ever. This woman <laughs> may as well be dying of thirst in a desert with how much she wants Jeronicus's nuts. Holy shit. Wants his jangles. She wants his jangly bits. Boy, does she want them. So... Miss <laughs> Johnston enters the shop, but she's not interested in anything other than getting Jangle to uh, invent a uh, a boner, a boner for her. She <laughs> wa- sex joke, haha. Mrs. Johnston is horny for Jangle's Jangle, and he's not interested at all. Even though she's thirsty as fuck, she's more of the bearer of bad news type. She's got some of Jangle's mail, which she took the liberty of rummaging through, and it turns out Jangle is behind on some bills. Jangle is like, I don't have the time for this today. And Mrs. Johnson, Johnston burst into song about how just because Jangle fell down doesn't mean he can't rise up and be great again, complete with background dancers. <laughs> yeah, I loved that <laughs> There's so much. There's some fun uh, fourth wall. Well, I shouldn't say, is it fourth wall? I don't like, know because sh- it feels like it's in universe that okay. they're singing because there's because he never like looks at the camera and says no. anything. But when she's singing, just three random patrons who were in the shop start singing along with her, and and Jangle just goes backup dancers. Just <laughs> yeah, like, and uh, so I help me out. I can't remember the name of the guy who plays Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker plays Jangle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the other thing too is like he's. He's an actor that I do know, like I know him, but yeah. because me and actors and names, I'm just like... See, and my brain was just like, he's not going to be in a music... I've never heard him sing before. He's not... Oh, they're probably not going to have him sing. Spoiler alert, he sings, and it's really good, and I now I'm like, I need to search out any moments that Forrest Whitaker sings in anything. You know, I, I don't know all the movies that I've seen him in, but he's a good actor. He is so good! And his car- the way he plays Jangle in this, mm-hmm. Jeronica's Jangle, he does such a good job because he is this broken man. Mm-hmm. He is this, like, he is broken. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, not coherent in a lot of ways. He's often mumbling to himself. And the way that his character heals over the course of the show mm-hmm. is really really good like it's it's a you know sometimes you watch a show and the character development might feel stilted or it might feel like not genuine mm-hmm. his, his character growth feels genuine yeah because there's a couple times where he has like outrage bursts kind of yes. thing and you're like oh kind of thing and then he has these quiet moments you're like oh but okay mm-hmm. anyway it, no he's so good <laughs> he's so good in this i still love that Background dancers. Ah, I love him. After Mrs. Johnston and the backup dancers leave the uh, the pawn shop, a white businessman, Mr. Del- I wrote it down because we had subtitles, but it's French. Is it Delacroix? Yes. Like the drink. Ugh. Mr. Like, Delacroix. Like the or some French bullshit name comes in. <laughs> Mr. Delacroix comes in to be like, hey. You've been promising something amazing for 30 years, and since we're a movie, you have a ticking clock. Either come up with the money you've borrowed by Christmas, which is a few days away, or provide the new spectacular invention you've promised. Delacroix is like, you have a ticking clock, Merry Christmas, and he leaves. Jangle wishes him a Merry Christmas as well, but with a sprinkling of 
fuck you for subtext. <laughs> so like in this whole thing, since Jangle, Jangle has the you know his former reputation, he's been coasting on it mm-hmm. to be because it sounds like that he his pawn shop has either been just barely scraping by. Or losing money consistently. Yeah. And so he's been taking out loans from the bank. And apparently he's been taking out loans for 30 years mm-hmm. that he's not been able to pay back. Mm-hmm. And he keeps saying that he'll he's going to invent something. You know, he'll do this. He'll do that. And so I don't know. I mean, you got to have some good reputation for a bank to have a 30-year investment in yeah. it. Either the, I mean, I don't I don't know. But anyway, that's the, the plot for Jangle right now is that either he provides the goods, you know, by Christmas, or mm-hmm. the bank's going to take everything he owns. Yep, which, as a person who's watched a lot of Christmas movies, yes, that is a common plot thread. However, they do it better in this. No argument. Than in the other movies. No argument. Because the other movies, it always leads to, I hate Christmas, and I'm I'm a woman who hates Christmas, and I'm going to close this business, and oh, I go to this small town, and everybody loves Christmas at this small town. Oh, silly woman, don't you know women can't own businesses? Fucking hate Hallmark Christmas movies, man. (laughs) They're so goddamn dumb. Anyways, after Delacroix leaves, Jangle goes to his trunk and rummages through his junk, looking for something (laughs) to make his money back. He finds a thing, but we don't know what the thing is. I think it, the plot is saying that Jangle needs to get the magical pendant back from his daughter to make the mystery device work. But that turns out to totally not be a thing at all. The pendant that he gives his daughter in the very beginning, I don't think plays any part later. I think the only thing that it kind of helps out with is when Journey, the granddaughter, shows up later. And it's one of those things that... He goes, okay, you really are my granddaughter. Because he has those moments of like, no, I don't, you're not my real granddaughter. That's the thing, because I just remember when they're dancing in the streets, excited initially, he gives his daughter this pendant and it glows. And I'm like, oh, a plot device for later. And then I don't, I I don't think that's used again. I don't think so. I think it's just, you know, a little bit of a spark, a spark of creation. I don't know what I think it is, because it has the same glow as the mystery box that we don't yet know what it does. And so I wonder if it was like a prototype of It might have been, because of... It's powered by belief. Yes. It's the spark of creation flickering within me. I love when you sing. I'm glad. Thank you. Okay. Um. Yeah, so Jangle doesn't need to get the mystery device back from his daughter because it doesn't do anything. But Jangle is bad with words, and he's trying to figure out how to write to his daughter. His daughter, who has her own life now, and her own daughter, in fact, who is singing. And who, oh my god, I was watching Cute that. little girl. I was like... If this movie had come out when I was a kid, I would have been like, I'm Journey. That's she was a, you and me. A thing I'll see, I got a little tongue tied. thing I will say definitely, the casting in this was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the jangles were really good, were really well cast. Um, mm-hmm. The daughter, both, both young and adult daughter, and the granddaughter, the mom actually was really cast mm-hmm. really well too. All of them. Yeah, they're good. All of them were cast so well. They just threw their hands up in the air like, all of them. They're all so good. It's true. Uh, Journey Journey definitely steals the show, though, but she is the... 
I don't want to say she's the now she's one of the main characters because mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it seems like the story is mainly about the Jangle Clan. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, she's a so we nerd. we see the the granddaughter who is singing about how being super smart about how how being a super smart brilliant child prodigy is cool and all, but being different is tough. However, same. However, it seems like Jangle managed to send a letter to his daughter, but uh, only his granddaughter is coming to visit him. I don't know why. I guess it's to add to the whimsy. We find out later it's because mom is a businesswoman who has a job and she can't mm-hmm. close down shop until it's time to close down shop. Mm-hmm. So she sent her granddaughter along first to spend some time with her grandfather, who she's never met before. And then she's like, I'll come get you later. Mm-hmm. So that's why, past Warren, you now have answered future Warren's question. The present Warren. <laughs> I, I struggled with that. Days of future Warren. <laughs> Uh, I am not backwards compatible. <laughs> anyway. You're not cyberpunk? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I wish I was cyberpunk. I want robot eyes and... and, and I want mantis blades. And gorilla arms and super jumpy legs and stuff like that. Anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeronica's Jangle's granddaughter, Journey, arrives at her grandfather's shop, but it's closed. And what was the sign that it says on there? Back in five minutes or less or more or less or something like that. Yeah, just like, like sort of a... Be back uh, whenever. Fuck I'll, it. I'll be back when I'm back. <laughs> Eat Arby's. And so Journey instead goes to look around to find where her grandpa is. She asks around and someone points out her grandpa. She goes over to Grandpa Jangle, who is... Uh... It wouldn't be an episode of Tone Death. <laughs> If Warren didn't have some fucked up notes. Uh, Okay. Journey goes to her grandfather and tries to explain to him why she's there and the rest of the plot. But Jangle is like out of it and rambling to himself and reading a book while buying little bits and pieces from shop vendors around the square. Journey is not put off by her grandpa's crazy and breaks into his shop to do some bonding. But Bonding will have to wait, because Jangle busts out his big-ass contract to be like, Sign here and you can be my granddaughter. Don't take anything, or break anything, or touch anything in my shop. Understood? Jangle offers to split his last egg with Journey, but she's like, Nah. And Jangle is like, Down the hall and to the left is your room. What I love, though, is he has her sign in invisible ink. Yeah, that's right. He has her sign in invisible ink, and uh, then he shows her under a black light, or blue light, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. that the writing appears. Yeah, and just her expression is kind of like a, Who hurt you, Grandpa? (laughs) (laughs) What made me laugh, too, is he pulls, pulls out this huge contract, just kind of thing, and I'm like... The fact that he's just like, sign this and you can be my granddaughter. It's like, oh, jeez, dude. But then he tells her, you know, go down the hall and to the left and that'll be your room. Well, and she also shows him the picture of uh, her mom. And it's like, yeah, my mom was telling me all about you and all about your inventions. That's right, because he's, he's so out there. Because when he meets her, he's like, you can't be my granddaughter. Blah, blah, blah. I don't, uh, he's, yeah. he's just not there and not acknowledging that she's like, hey. Hi, mm-hmm. hello, and but then when she does mention, you're right. When she mentions her mom and stuff, and shows a picture of her mom, then he kind of like is my little girl. And it's like, huh, 
I guess you can be my granddaughter. Sign here! Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch my shit. <laughs> Anyways, and Journey uh, is told where her room is. But as she's leaving, she comes back and she throws her arms around him and is like, Can I call you Grandpa? And he's like, Can you not? <laughs> and Journey is like, It's settled. You're Grandpa Jay. And rushes off to her room. Why like, can't anyone say my name right? I forgot that uh, Mrs. Johnston calls him Jerry. And he's mm -hmm. like, That's not my name. My name is Jeronicus. That's not my name. <laughs> they call me Jerry. They call me Jay. That's not my name. <laughs> my name is Jeronicus. That is my name! <laughs> the plot continues as the grandma narrates that Gus Gus had all his success for 30 years, unveiling one amazing toy after another, year after year, decade after decade, until <gasps> they ran out of ideas from the stolen book. But Gus Gus is like, hey, I'm every bit the inventor that Jangle is and tries to unveil his uh, one spinny toy from 30 years earlier that failed horribly. I'm betting that, uh, that I'm betting that, that open spinning blades on a toy might not be the best <laughs> idea. The crowd that's gathered doesn't seem to care, and they're all reaching for the tiny little decapitation ball. This scene was so cool, though, and the music was still so good. You know, I, I know it was rated PG, I feel like when the toy failed, if it would have, like, embedded itself in somebody's neck, that would have been a little bit more believable than, like, when it gets a suction cup yeah. stuck on a guy's head. I'm like, did that thing even have suction cup? Like, I guess that guy's lucky. He's, like, complaining, oh, it's stuck on my face. Dude, at least you still have your head. Mm-hmm. Anyways. That thing will kill you. So, the crowd doesn't care about the complete lack of safety regulations for this flying decapitation ball because everyone wants a, a twirly whirly the music and dancing in this scene is pretty great but the festivities are dashed as the twirly whirly fails and latches onto the face of a poor old white man and everyone is like what gus gus fucked up and gus gus runs to his room to cry about his failure Juan dalego i need to change that it just doesn't sound right. Juan Diego is giving Gus Gus shit for being so lame and full of failure. Gus Gus is like, if you hadn't convinced me to burn your designs, I could have mass produced you, you little robo asshole. Juan Diego is like, hey, let's steal something else from to make money off of. And they stare at each other all devilishly, planning to go back and steal something else from Jangle. <laughs> Journey back at her grandpa's shop, is like, Pay attention to me, grandpa! And grandpa is like, No, I'm busy. And Journey starts correcting grandpa Jangle's math over his shoulder, which kind of <laughs> pisses him off. And he tries to stump her with a more complex equation. But she's like, I have magical math powers! <laughs> and she starts writing in the air, doing calculations. Just like her grandpa did in the beginning of the show before becoming all sad and a broken shell of a man. <laughs> Grandpa Jay asks Journey if she can see the magic sky sand writing, <laughs> and she's like, Hell yeah, don't you? And he's like, No, not since I lost my mind, my wife, and my dignity. And he gets up and walks away muttering to himself. Journey starts to go through her grandpa's shit and finds a book <laughs> by her mom. And it shows a little Wally, number nine is alive, looking fucker with big eyes. 
Journey gets a little sad that her grandpa blew her off, and she starts to sing a song to her mom, who isn't there, being like, Yeah, grandpa isn't who I thought he'd be, but that's okay. And then she starts to sing about how she'll help him, and how she's ready, and nothing will slow her down, because she has magical calculation powers. Journey concludes her self-empowerment song from the second level, outside of the shop, in the snow, at night, completely disregarding their sleeping neighbors. Kids those days, always in need of a good corrective smack. You know what else? You know what doesn't need a good corrective smack? Our wonderful, wonderful patrons who help produce our show. Exactly. I think that this is a perfect time to take a quick intermission. da da Hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our favorite people in the whole world? Heck yeah! Today, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu, and our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Reagan, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Many hundreds of years ago, in the faraway land of the North, there dwelt a special kind of magic. The magic of imagination. And nowhere did this light shine brighter than in the heart of a kindly toy maker named Nicholas Kringle. The toy maker loved children, most of all his own son, whom he named Chris. But the land was ruled by a wicked snow queen. You cannot escape from me, toy maker's son. I assure you, young Master Kringles, we elves are very real, and we shall teach you to make toys which will bring happiness to children all over the world. Young Santa Claus and the Winter Solstice, written and directed by Patrick and Paul Gibbs. Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book, Book of Lies. Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar, and learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye. And now the lights are going down and the music starting back up. So let's head back to the second act of our show. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back from that brief intermission. Last we left off, Journey was singing her self-empowerment song from the second story of Jangles and Stuff, outside, in the dark, at night, in, in the snow. <laughs> How is she going to get down from there? <laughs> so Journey finishes her song and realizes that she's outside in the cold, and she goes back into Grandpa's shop to rummage through some more of his shit. <laughs> when who, who I ask, should come in. But that kid that I forgot about from earlier, Jangle's new <laughs> assistant, Edison. Edison is like, 
I'm the head inventor and Jangle's most trusted assistant. Do you want to be my assistant, granddaughter of my boss? <laughs> and Journey is like, Nah, I'm the one with the calculation powers. You can be my assistant. <laughs> the two kids rummage around some more and find a Wally number nine under the sheet, all deactivated and shit. Journey finds the Wally number <laughs> finds Wally nine's soul box and sticks it in the little bugger, but it has a slow startup time. And all while it's booting up, the two kids are arguing about why it's not working. Wally number nine comes to and is all curious and shit. Wally nine is alive. Yep, it, it looks like it. Like you, you, you take those three things and it looks just like that. How is this not like the hit Christmas toy of the year, though? Is my question. It is a cute big-eyed robot. It is fucking adorable. I would have like fifty of them. <laughs> but uh, it's the a whole uh, fucking army of them. The Wally number nine is trying to learn from the children by mimicking their speech, but all he does is freak them out. <laughs> Journey talks to Wally number nine and finds out his real name is Buddy 3000. <laughs> we find out that the reason Buddy didn't work for Dronicus is because he didn't believe. And the mysterious mystery of Buddy's power source is... <gasps> belief. I'm okay with it. Belief in what exactly, Kay? Just generic belief. Just believing that Buddy can work. I'm okay with it. It's a... It's like a voice print to activate the robot. I believe you can work. So is is uh is Buddy three thousand a fairy? Buddy three thousand is He does make people fly. He does. Oh my god. Yep. He's a tech tinkerbell. He is a tech tinkerbell. Techerbell. I was trying to think of a way to do that and I was like, mm, I don't know if I can work one in there. But then Kay found a way. It wasn't a good way, but it was a way. The belief in what, as you've listened to Kay and I uh, banter a bit, is it's kind of left up to interpretation at this point. Anyways, Buddy 3000 gets extra magical from the power of Journey's belief and starts to fly. Buddy seems to be admitting some type of anti-gravitational field, and both Edison and Journey start to fly around the room with Buddy. All the joy and happiness fades out of the room as Grandpa Jay comes up to investigate the commotion. Buddy is all, Oh no, grumpy old sad man is draining my belief powers. <laughs> and everything collapses and the kids stop flying just in time for Grandpa Jay to not have any visual evidence that the wild story the kids are about to tell him about a flying buddy bot <laughs> is true. Pretty standard for a kid's movie like that, like the... the but the... again, I'm okay yeah, with I, it. Yeah, I mean, it works. It's just one of those things like, you know, you, you've seen that trope before where it's like the uh, the thing that would explain the unexplainable disappears right as the person that they mm -hmm. need to explain it to comes into the room, you know? Uh, Journey tries to beg Grandpa Jay to let her stay up there and help him fix his belief bot. But Grandpa Jay is a grumpy pants and yells at her to go to bed. With restrained tears in her eyes, Journey rushes out of the room, and Grandpa Jay is left to sing his sad song about being alone and not as amazing as he used to be. So that was one of the scenes that I was talking about where um, Geronicus has like explosion of emotion because in his broken old man phase you know we don't see much emotion from him yeah he's very just kind of like he we do see him be like scared and upset and stuff like that but he never is 
loud. Really. Yeah. He's more just like, uh, but this is the first time we see him yell and he's like, I said go to bed kind of thing. Because when he comes up there, he's mad at her because he's like, you signed the contract. You said you wouldn't touch anything. Yeah. You voided the contract. You're no longer my granddaughter. <laughs> like, he doesn't say that. No. But... And and he also, is that when he does the you're not a good inventor or you're not an inventor to Oh, Edison. he does. Yeah. He does say that. I don't know if I, maybe I had that in my notes, but yeah, he, I think that is when he tells Edison that he's not an inventor. Yeah. And Edison is just like. <laughs> yeah. It's understandable. It, it's such a, it's such a powerful, like punch to the heart moment yeah poor little kid you know Mm -hmm. because he idolizes this old Mm -hmm. man the old man's like go away and he's just the cutest little kid he's so cute cute. (laughs) grandpa jay is haunted by his glory days and the smiles on his wife and daughter's faces before life got all shitty and his wife dead and his daughter left him and Kay cries and Kay cries grandpa jay continues to sing louder and louder asking why why wasn't his life supposed to be so much more grandpa jay sings about how he wishes he could believe but he can't because he's got a bad case of the curmudgeons Mm -hmm. it gets all sad and quiet in the shop after he's done singing and after he leaves buddy seems to activate again briefly before his belief power source fades out again The scene changes to Sad Journey sitting outside the shop, being sad. And who, who, I ask, should come upon her? But Gus Gus. He comes over and he comes over to her all Jack the Ripper-like and sits down next to her. Gus Gus tries to be like, tell me about the super awesome magical project going on in Jangle's shop. And Journey is like, I see through your evil disguise, even though it wasn't stated explicitly in the plot. I'm sure my mom talked about what a piece of shit you are and how you've ruined our family's lives. And then she and then she gets up to leave going, I have items to mark down at the pawn shop mm-hmm. and leaves. But not before Gus Gus grabs her arm all evil like after mm-hmm. he lets her go. Journey books it back to the inside. And so when this happens, like, because uh, she's sitting outside kind of in an alley. I thought it was right outside the building, but mm-hmm. it's, like, across the street yeah. in, a, in a different little alley. And uh, Gus Gus sits down next to her. And Journey immediately sees through his bullshit. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that made me think that it's been told around the family about mm-hmm. Gus Gus. Whether or not she knew he was Gus Gus, she just sees this man in really nice clothing and if mm-hmm. also if he's the most famous toy maker you would think that everybody would just know who he is yeah so that's i kind of get the feeling that she was already wise up to him mm-hmm. but yeah he's asking like oh it must serious be... stranger danger vibes mm-hmm. <laughs> it must be wonderful working in in jingles and things and she's like it's a pawn shop kind of thing mm-hmm. like plain low key kind of thing and i like that when uh she's definitely nicer than if current K were in a child's body, he's like, in a pawn. Or, it's a pawn shop, thanks to you, motherfucker. Yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> she kind of gives that subtext. Oh yeah, to she it, does. She throws some stank she, on it. And she it's very much great. does. Very much she, does. Ah, that girl's such a good actress. And her subtext is. I just love that her subtext is very much like I mm-hmm. see through you, you weaselly fuck. Mm-hmm. But the next day, Grandpa Jay or Jerry 
runs into Mrs. Johnston. <laughs> Jerry wants his packages from her. And she wants uh, his package. <laughs> After Mrs. Johnson leaves her delivery truck, Grandpa Jay gets a special delivery to the face, a snowball. <laughs> and the grandpa and granddaughter begin an epic magic equation-filled snowball fight. The familial snowball fight soon lures in some other children, and then the entire street. Everyone is having fun until the fuzz shows up and takes a frozen ball of water to his face. And this scene is interesting because we get our, like, when they when they show the, like, writing in just midair, like, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's magical, you know, it's, 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 they're, they're formulating incredibly complex equations. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's just kind of a visual way of, like, seeing them do math out loud, you know, instead of writing it down on paper. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but in this scene, the snowball fighting scene, they do some, like, fucking uh, they do some like wanted bullet curving, but yeah. with snowballs. <laughs> it's a parabola snowball. Yeah, because they'll be like doing these calculations, and then they throw a snowball, and they just like loop around. You know, and they mm -hmm. they do these physics breaking things. <laughs> it's like someone took one of those Ti eighty threes and fucked with the parabolas, and like going, oh, I'm gonna just put in whatever for my sine wave oh, and you're talking about graphing calculator yeah okay it took me a minute and i was like what Mama? i will never forget what those are because <laughs> i had to buy one for my first year of high school and i was very upset those used to be like 80 bucks yeah they're still really expensive <sighs> fuck that noise <laughs> but the the snowball scene is cute because it's one of the first bonding scenes you see yeah because because you know geronicus had just the previous night yelled at his granddaughter who he's mm -hmm. only known for a day yeah and the tensions were kind of high and stuff like that and then she hits him with a snowball and at first you're like oh damn kid's gonna get her ass beat mm -hmm. but then he's like oh i'm gonna get you and mm -hmm. then it's you know it's cute when all the other kids join in and then yeah. other adults join in and this whole street is just having a snowball fight and when the cop, when the constable takes a snowball to the face and Jeronicus just kind of holds up his arms like in the handcuff pose, you know, mm -hmm. I thought he was going to get arrested, but that kind of doesn't happen. Yeah. And we just see him and Journey go back to the shop. And uh, so I was like, I just, uh, that part kind of made me go, was that necessary? But I guess, I don't know, because we don't ever see the cop like join into the snowball fight or yeah. just be like. I'll let you off with a warning. Mm -hmm. Since this you, since this alternate universe doesn't have racism, you'll be treated <laughs> fair and according to the law. And a snowball does not warrant that. <clears throat> like a, a snowball, the most it warrants is another snowball being thrown. Let's see, there you and go. then sitting down and having hot cocoa after you've had all of the snow go down your sweater. Hot cocoa, you say? With with marshmallows? And whipped cream. And whipped cream? And chocolate shavings. <gasps> chocolate when, when shavings? I, when we had our hot cocoa days at the school when I was teaching, oh, I would load that stuff up, man. <laughs> I would make some nice gourmet hot cocoa. Mmm, delightful. <laughs> the scene changes to Jangle's shop where Edison is messing around with stuff. And who, who, I ask you, should be lurking over his shoulder but Gus Gus. Grandpa Jay and Journey come back into the shop, and it looks like the fuzz didn't do anything to Jerry, which is cool, 
but Grandpa Jay tells Journey not to have any fun and to help him pack up his shop since he's going out of business. Journey ignores her grandfather and finds Edison's glasses on the floor. She sniffs around like a bloodhound and eventually <laughs> finds Edison tied up in the shop and sets him free. Edison spills all the info, all super quick, being like, Gus Gus is a lying jerk who stole from your grandfather and can't make anything cool himself, and then he's broken into the store and he tied me up and he took Buddy. Journey is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Buddy 3000 was stolen. We have to get him back. And the two of them set out to sneak into Gus Gus's factory. Love the whole, we have to get him back. Yeah, you yeah, have to yeah, get him back. Yeah, that's right. Journey, yeah, she's like, we have to get him back. And Edison, yep, that's right. You have to get him back. I don't remember how she convinced him to go with her. I can't remember either, other than just, you She kind of gives him to look like, no, you're coming with yeah. me. Yeah. You're coming with me or I'll tie you up and put you where people will never find you. <laughs> Geronicus is looking for Journey and his assistant. He goes out into the streets and sees a poster from Gus Gus's advertising crew. His, uh, show, uh, sorry, a poster from Gus Gus advertising... His, as in Geronicus, his new toy, the Buddy 3000. And Jerry Geronicus Jangle is like, oh, shit. And he tracks down his delivery bay, Mrs. Johnston, <laughs> and hitches a ride with her to Gus Gus's factory of lies. After the kids had already hitched a ride. After they've already left. Car. Yeah, they, they smuggled aboard. Mm -hmm. Oh, and before, before uh, they had smuggled aboard, or while they're smuggling aboard, uh, Mrs. Johnston's talking about how, oh, I only almost killed somebody in this new truck. <laughs> <laughs> like running them over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. One thing that made, made me laugh, though, was the timeline, how quickly it goes from Gus Gus steals Buddy 3000 to all of a sudden everybody already knows that Gus Gus has this new toy that he's going to unveil that night. Mm -hmm. And they have posters already saying the Buddy 3000. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I'm just like, man, this evil asshole works fast. Mm-hmm. All right. So Gus Gus's big reveal of the Buddy 3000 is a complete failure since he doesn't know that it's powered by belief. And after, a humili and after being humiliated by his guests, all laughing at him and walking out, Gus Gus is like, Send this failed toy to the crusher. And he stomps off like the criminal bitch that he is. <laughs> the kids follow the boxed-up Buddy 3000 to the crusher and rescue him from certain destruction. The Gus Gus guards report to their boss that there are kids loose in the factory, stealing the robot. And There's he... a kid loose <laughs> in the factory. <laughs> and Gus Gus is like, let them have it. It's a failed invention. And Juan, I almost said it, and Juan Diego is all, You fool! If it was a failed invention, why would they be trying to rescue it? And Juan, De, and Juan Diego sounds the alarm, <laughs> telling all the guards to go get the kids and to use violence in apprehending them. Mm -hmm. Kick them in the shins! <laughs> this is a kid's movie. He can't say kill them. You know the way they get around that and other stuff? think about steven universe destroy shatter true though he, he, i think i think that to try and keep this as uh marketable for families that are looking for christmas movies they they probably couldn't do that either just just thinking about the average family that would be parking their kid in front of a tv 
going, okay, watch a Christmas movie, because they don't realize that they're about to have their kid watch the greatest Christmas movie ever made. Move over, Die Hard. <laughs> okay, sweetie, sit down here and watch this this Netflix movie. I'm going to go upstairs and jingle your father's jangles. While the kids and the guards are running through the factory, an oil lamp gets knocked onto a box full of hay and causes a fire. See, this is why we need OSHA. Workplace... <laughs> this is why OSHA is important. Workplace safety people. Anyways... The fire is raging out of control and is destroying the factory, and the kids find their way into the tunnel of death. The only way out is a steep slope with a blade of death at the end. The kids believe in Geronicus, which inspires him to use his lost skywriting calculation powers to formulate a perfect solution to the kids escaping the exploding building and not getting chopped to bits. And I know that it wouldn't work, <laughs> but it's so cool how it happens. It's, so it's so cool for just 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 complete popcorn entertainment slow motion yeah, enjoyment, it's... like just the just whimsical kid fun. You know, yeah, it, it's definitely entertaining. But it did make me laugh because, like, let's see, where am I in the notes? So. Because I'll get to it. So, yes. The kids ride the Buddy 3000 crate through a CG tube of flaming, exploding death, and then they exit in slow motion as the fiery explosion explodes out of the twirly-whirly blades. The kids slide in their crate and come to a stop. Jerry rushes to the kids and embraces them and even compliments Edison on being a fine inventor. So, because in that part, like, they're, cause they're in this tube. And they can see down a hall to the building on fire, and the fire is getting closer to them. And so they get on the crate that's got Buddy, and it's like got wheels underneath it. Mm -hmm. And then they push down the crate, about down the tube, and they're riding on it as the explosion is chasing them. And Edison worked the ropes around to be able to actually steer. steer that's right. And that was sort of his invention yeah, moment. That's right. He did do that. And but then as and so he's steering the 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 box and. Uh, and Journey is just along for the ride at this point. Yeah. And they're just riding down this tube as they're outrunning the CGI explosion. And then when they come out of, like, the vent area with the spinning blades of death, it's just all slow motion, you know? Ah! Oh, but Buddy. Buddy oh. at one point sticks, like, he, his, his, his arms. He's powered by belief. He's powered by belief. And he, like, breaks his arms through the crate. And he he does some stuff, too. Was it, like, just directing to them? To slow them. Because oh, they them. were going too fast. And they, would, they wouldn't time it right. And so he's slowing them down. But in slowing them down, he... He gets broken. He yeah. destroys himself. He gets all broken. Because later... Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's how it happens. How it's I... tragic. It's like the great little... T it's like the brave little toaster getting crunched in the... Okay. Okay. It's heartbreaking. Okay. I cried. Okay. He got better. I cried. He got better, Okay. But how is he on the inside? Clap if you believe in Buddy. <laughs> I believe in Buddy! <laughs> Buddy. The kids and Geronicus, with the help of Mrs. Johnston, flee the exploding factory with Buddy in hand and drive recklessly over ice and snow all the way back to the shop. Buddy is returned 
Edison goes home after telling Journey that he likes her a lot. Mm-hmm. Which was cute. Because he's like, he does it in like this nervous way. He's like, I think I like you. I think yeah. I like you a lot. And then he just kind of runs away. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, like a shy little boy kind of way. So cute. But it was cute. And uh, after he does that, Grandpa Jay gets to first base with Mrs. Johnston, kissing her in her truck. On the cheek. Well, yeah, well, first he kisses her because uh, she's been trying to get into his pants like the whole movie so mm-hmm. far. And then after she helps them and like he's starting to kind of get out of his curmudgeonness, mm-hmm. you know, that's when he's like, oh, this woman who wants my jingly bits isn't all bad, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, he pulls out a mistletoe, you know, so how do these things work again? And After she had done after that. After she had to... done that earlier, trying to get him to kiss her. and That's what we call a callback. Callback. Uh, but yeah. So he kisses her in her truck, and the thirsty delivery woman sings as she drives away. Because I expected her to, like, turn and just be like, yeah. But instead she gets a kiss on the cheek, and she's just like, ah! Like, just all <laughs> excited, you know? And then our backup dancers come back for helping oh, her right. out with the reprieve. That's right. <laughs> they're just standing under a lamppost. And as, she, as she drives by, and they're singing, and then he's like, oh. They must be a group. Yeah. Like, just a they nice really little are call- a group. A nice callback to them from earlier. But anyways, disaster. Buddy 3000 is living up to his name because he's in 3000 pieces, Kay. <laughs> Journey is like, fix it, Grandpa. And he's like, I, I, I can't. I used all of my belief powers. I'm back to being lame again. <laughs> and Journey tries to grandchild some inspiration and belief in her grandpa by revealing that she, yes, she, Journey, the granddaughter, forged a letter to her mother from her grandfather so that she could come and visit him. Lay fucking gasp. <laughs> Because she grew up with all the stories of how magical his shop was and how Mm -hmm. Grandpa Jay was magical and could do things and see things that nobody else could see or do. Journey tells her grandpa that she believes in him, gives him a hug, and tells him that she loves him. Aww. And I cry again. And Kay cries again. That's okay. (laughs) There are so many moments where the curse of the witch... The scene changes to Jessica Jangle, who is closing up shop for Christmas and is getting ready to go collect her daughter from her daddy Jangle. And she's singing about how they need to mend what was broken and make things better. All while daddy Jangle is singing about fixing Buddy, and the symbolism is there, trying to fix the past, to strengthen the present, and to be building towards the future. And I didn't mention this before, but Jessica is played by Tiana. Yes. Best Disney princess. Well, she has really man. She can, oh, she I love can, her. She can sing. I love her. She so much. she had some great singing parts, and oh. it was funny because you told me that she's the the actress who played Tiana, and I could not hear it. She she changed her voice so much for the Tiana role. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hear her as Tiana in this. It, it, I just she sounded like a completely different person. I like, fucking not, love not her. Not like better or worse, just mm-hmm. different. Yeah, but yeah love her so much and this scene is pretty fucking awesome some nice heavy industrial beats with some mm. awesome singing mm. it's one of my favorite parts personally so because it, it takes place at night mm-hmm. and you've got like this one guy who's working on a uh, an anvil and stuff and mm-hmm. so he'll be like punctuating the beats with these heavy metallic clangs you know yes it just it it pops. I've got it, chills oh, thinking do, about do. that scene. I, that's awesome. I was just it's about to say, so I got actually goodness. goosebumps. But yeah, so um, 
that scene pops so good because it's just this I don't know it's just it's very emotional mm-hmm. with you know the daughter coming to collect her grand you know her daughter and, and see her father for the first time in decades and uh, but you've also got the grandfather trying to you know kind of do the impossible by putting d- together this invention you know after it's been destroyed and you've got the dancing and the singing in of the different people yeah. in the uh the trade square you know mm-hmm. and just everything comes together in a really really good way if it hadn't have been like e- even if the rest of the movie had not been as amazing this scene alone this scene like i said cements it's one of my, it's as one, of, my one of the best christmas movies i've ever seen it's one of my favorite scenes absolutely and probably one of the best movie musicals i've ever seen because it's really fucking good. The soundtrack alone is really good. Yeah. Like, I'm teasing I'm teasing the um some of the tropiness of, mm-hmm. of the plots, like some of the mechanics, you know, because they do kind of fall into into certain tropes, but that's fine because yeah. they're it's you know, it's PG, it's intended mm-hmm. to just kind of be a whimsical Christmas movie, you know, for, and, for all audiences. And tropes exist for a reason. Tropes exist for a reason. There's nothing wrong with tropes as long as they're done well exactly. and they're not overused, you know? Yeah. And they aren't in this. Like no, it's they... it's a solid movie. Yeah, it's very solid. Yeah. It absolutely is. Okay. Mm. So after that cool industrial singing and, and mending song, the song ends and Jessica goes into her father's shop and the two are reunited. She explains that she thought she would pick up her daughter early and that she hoped Journey hadn't been too troublesome. Daddy Jangle is like, she's great and a wonderful inventor. And Jeronicus tries to apologize to his daughter and she's like, for what? For ignoring me and making me think everything shitty that happened was my fault? Are you sorry for never writing and checking up on your own daughter? And Daddy Jangle is like, no, I, I did write, but I'm a mess and I never sent the letters because I wasn't sure if you'd even want to hear from me. Andronicus opens a cupboard, and an avalanche of unsent letters comes spilling out. Andronicus hands some of the letters to Jessica, and she reads them. It's at this moment that Kay reaches and grabs a tissue, saying, Whoa! Unexpected feels. Yup. And another installment of The Curse of the Witch has come to pass. Yeah, this was about the point when I sort of lost it. <laughs> it was, yeah. And, I mean, it was, it's, it's... Even though I am a cold, heartless, unfeeling individual, mm-hmm. like I felt the little ding, 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 like you know. Oh, I'm little, feeling it right little, now. Little person reached it. into my heart and went, "Hey, these are strings on your heart." Ding, ding, mm-hmm. ding. Um, because yeah, it's it's an emotionally charged scene. Oh, so good though. It's good. It so definitely good. is. Anyways, Jessica reads the letter from her dad, and it basically says that he wanted to give his family the world, and that he loves them, and that he's sorry. Jessica gets weepy, just like Kay, and then... The, and just then, like Kay right now, god damn it. it. And, then, uh, and then is like, Journey and I should probably go, and her dad is like, Journey is already asleep. And then Jessica is like, oh, okay, we can leave in the morning then, or, or maybe stay here for Christmas. And Daddy Jangle is like, you're goddamn right you're going to stay here for Christmas. I've got my mojo back, and I want to share it with my family. Man, I wish Jangle was my dad. (laughs) Or Forrest Whitaker. (coughs) Forrest Whitaker can be my dad now. That's what I'll tell people. (laughs) Just like I used to say Denzel was. After the family is mended a bit, Jessica notices Buddy 3000 in 3000 pieces and offers to help her dad put him back together. 
The pair set out to fix Buddy, all while catching up and laughing. And as the hours pass, it becomes morning, and they've almost finished fixing Buddy. Journey rushes in and hugs her mom, and the whole family is like, Yay! Now we just need to turn on Buddy! And Geronicus looks sad, but then he's like, I believe. I believe. I believe in Buddy. And Buddy 3000 is brought back from the grave, and he whirls to life. I love you, Buddy 3000. Instead of I love you 3000. Oh. It was a bad Avengers joke. Huh? From... From, oh, is that uh, is Endgame. that okay? This the daughter that says I yeah, love you. Yeah, I love you three thousand. I forgot about that. Oh, I will never forget about <laughs> that. Fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, after Buddy is resurrected, we hear a call from downstairs. Geronicus, and the family goes down to investigate the plot development. Who, who I ask? Do you think it is there waiting for them? It's Gus Gus. Fuck face McGee. And he's there with the fuzz. Gus Gus spins the lie that he invented the Buddy 3000 and that it was stolen from him. As proof, he has the plans for constructing Buddy 3000 right here in clear black and white. And blue, exclaims Journey, who <laughs> snatches the buddy plans out of Gus Gus's hands and then shines them under the black light, where we see the glowing ink that states, Property of Geronicus Jangle. Journey goes on to explain that when she met Gus Gus, she knew that the weaselly fuck would try to steal <laughs> Buddy 3000, so she marked the plans for proof. She laid an expert trap for him. Best kid ever. She's crafty as hell. Love her. With his plan foiled, Gus Gus is arrested by the Popo and escorted out. Geronicus stops the fuzz to be like, Hey, I have something for the thieving bastard. And Geronicus <laughs> hands Gus Gus a small package that contained the, gyros the gyroscopic stabilizer for his twirly-whirly. Geronicus goes on to explain that he would have shown Gus Gus everything. He would have taught him everything that he knew. If only Gus Gus would have waited and not stabbed him in his back and forced him to close down his shop and cause his wife to die and his family to break apart. Anyways, uh, don't drop you, the Gus soap, Gus. Gus Gus, and the cops haul his ass out. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. where you, it, it, it's it's sad too. Um, um, um. Oh, fuck. Okay, help me out, Gus Gus's actor. Keegan Michael Key. I yeah. See, the, <laughs> you know that I know who he is, but I could not get that information from my brain. <laughs> one of one of your favorite sketch uh, comedy people from your favorite sketch comedy duo. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like when I forgot. Um, fuck, fuck, Carrie Fisher. Yes, like twice. <laughs> Almost three times. <laughs> Almost three times. <laughs> What's wrong with my brain? I uh, think it's the witch. Uh, Damn windmills. She's a bitch. Um, <laughs> after Gus Gus is hauled out by the Popo, DeCroix, or whatever his name is, comes from Delacroix. the... <laughs> Delacroix? Yes. Yeah, now I have him as DeCroix. <laughs> DeCroix from the bank. The, the bank financier. Just think of him like that flavorless soda that... <laughs> <laughs> Tangent. Yeah. Listeners, if you drink LaCroix, can you answer for us? 
Why? Is it is it that you like tasting pine salt, but you don't want your stomach pumped? You know, I saw a thing on Twitter that made me laugh, and a person was like, what's your favorite flavor of LaCroix? And I said, I don't buy it. I can make my own. It's one part Lysol and two, and no, is it nine parts water? Yeah. Has yeah. the same effect. Same effect. Anyways, uh, Delacroix from the bank comes in, and he's like, hey, do you have the money? Otherwise, you're out of business. And when he sees the Buddy 3000, he's like, holy shit, the bank will finance all of your inventions forever. And everybody is super happy and excited with the Buddy 3000 magic. They all float around the shop. The commotion from the store draws people from outside to enter the shop. They see Geronicus and others floating in the air, and everyone loses their goddamn minds. And understandably so. If I could have a magical robot who is powered by belief and could make me float and fly, you bet your ass I would want one. I'd trample a grandma and an army of small children for one. <laughs> I would be picking up children and beating other children in order to get to the front of the line to get my flying belief bot. So it'd be like the Cabbage Patch dolls back in the day. Sure. Sure. Okay. Cabbage Patch dolls are creepy as fuck, but yeah. All right. Anyways, everything is resolved in the plot, and the story goes back to the present, where it's revealed that the grandma who's reading the story is... Journey. Mm-hmm. and that Buddy is still around, and that the grandkids are related to Geronicus Jangle, which implies that their lineage is kept from them until an appropriate age when it's okay to unveil the existence of magic to them. I'm not quite sure what the rationalization is for this in this universe, but it's whimsical as fuck. But, like, these folks are, like, fucking nobility. They really like, are. You see... They're very well off. Yeah, you see what they live in, and it's just like this... It's It's... It's what every kid would dream of. Like, yeah. Uh, holy it really crap. Is. And I love, though, how she's like, you know, oh, it's like how you could see the fire dancing. And then the daughter's like, you could see the fire dance, too. And then she lifts up her hair to show the gear uh, hair, headband underneath. And it's just, oh. and that's when they, that's when you find out that she's journey. They're mm-hmm. like, you're journey? And then they open up the window and you see what their what their town has been. And like the whole uh Geronicus Jangle Factory is on the top of this hill and then the whole town just it it's one of those things where it's like holy crap he invented everything to make it, this town work it looks like it does look like that um his factory is like the center of the mm-hmm. whole city yeah. and that he and that his factory might even be powering the city yeah through the power of belief i guess but yeah, it's just one of those it's, it's yeah. not like pumping out coal burning no. <laughs> stuff or anything like that it's it's one of those like this is this is fucking like super advanced shit the power of belief ah oh, the I kid, love it the kids are all super excited and the whimsy takes full effect as grandma journey reverts to granddaughter journey for just a moment to show that magic of belief is timeless. The scene zooms out and we get a big sweeping view of this alternate history London with cool steampunkish tech and a giant Willy Wonka Jangle Wonka toy factory of wonder <laughs> in the center of the town. And it doesn't... I, for, I was expecting them to like all fly out of the window and like go on like a... And that's how they would fly. But all it does is they're still in their home. But the camera pulls away. No, and they do fly. They do fly? Yeah. 
we were we were laughing about it a okay. little bit. Okay, okay, because it should. Okay, so it must be them from the first person's perspective yeah. as they're flying, because you don't as when it's doing the big sweeping showing of the city, you don't see them in the third person flying. It must be from their perspective. Yeah, it's it's just after after they show the city, then. Uh... Journey opens up the window and is like, okay, kids, let's go to the factory and uh, grabs their hands and Buddy takes them flying and... It's time for you to see your birthright. Basically. And, oh. Uh, and then it, then you've got this cute credit sequence that's everything that happened in between uh, the end of the story up to, like, for a while after, including uh, Gus in jail working on the... Uh, the, the, the twirly whirly, twirly whirly, yeah. And, he's just uh, all sad, but he's still tinkering with it. And our reprogrammed Matador doll, <laughs> that's no longer evil, because he had to reprogram oh, I him. I, I forgot to mention that. Okay, okay. So back up a little bit. When <laughs> thank you, Kay. You're so welcome. when um, Gus Gus comes to the shop with the cops to try and get Jangle arrested, when Journey confronts to be like. No, Gus Gus stole the plans, and he's actually a shitty thief, and this and this and that. Then we see uh, Juan Diego turn on him there in front of the cops and be like, Did you steal those plans? Are you a thief? Mm -hmm. And then he like goes to Jangle, and he's like, Oh, take me back. I've missed you. Oh. And then Jangle just kind of like flips open the switch on his back and just hard resets him <laughs> and just turns him <laughs> off. <laughs> And we were watching that. We we're like, did he just snuff out a, a sentient being <laughs> and lobotomize him? Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Fuck that little yeah, asshole. Yeah. Fuck him. He little caused psychopathic he, toy. He caused so much damage. Yes, he did. Evil toy. You know, the thing that makes me sad about the movie too is I think about it. Like, if, like, would the mom still have died? Like, did she have some undiagnosed I, condition that had... we didn't know about, or did she die because of like stress and? anguish over it, it everything that was happening to their family. more like she died of 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> what did she die of, Doctor? She was a black woman in 1800s England. That'll do it. <laughs> She's the protagonist's wife. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We're not a Disney film, but this child has two parents? <laughs> do they need both parents? You know, and to be fair, we don't ever see Journey's dad. Why? Oh my god, we don't. Why is it, though, that... Because Tiana lost her dad in Princess and the Frog, and then her mom in... Balance. <laughs> he fuck, lost one man. in one movie, he got killed the other in the what other the movie. Fuck? Oh, but yeah, so the, oh, you know, the, it ends with um the grandmother's big reveal, you know, to her grandkids that she's Journey, and then they go flying out of their their uh mansion mm. <laughs> to go to the factory with with their buddy belief bot and uh that's where it ends and it's 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 cute and the music is really good and i actually do want to watch it again yes because uh, it was just it was cute and entertaining mm -hmm. and you know cinematography was great the music was great had great dialogue you know mm -hmm. there was there's there was a good balance between like sad and funny you know yeah. and there were plenty of moments that made me go oof like emotion wise and, and like it was it was it didn't talk down to the audience with the stories of or with the lessons about family and about uh like 
just you know the importance of family it didn't it didn't really talk down to you about it even though it was it's, very complex yeah even though it is uh pg and definitely for a well i don't want to say necessarily a younger audience it's it's, 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 for it's the whole family yeah, it's for but... the whole family it, but like you're saying it does not talk down yeah it doesn't try to it does it it it's not acting like it's made for kids yeah it's acting like it's made for like you said the whole family you mm-hmm. know kids and adults mm-hmm. um because yeah like when they 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 do a lot of uh uh science gibberish you know mm-hmm. sometimes because they'll talk about you know the uh the, the math the, gibberish yeah math gibberish the what was it the 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 complex equations for you know mm-hmm. probability and and unexpected and, a lot of geometry equations a yeah. lot of calculus equations that are lots sort of, of fudged a little bit to lot, be lots of glowing cgi skywriting <laughs> like uh, the square root of impossible that's is right me that's, that's what was, i was that was my favorite that's bit. what i was trying oh, to remember God. the square root yes. of impossible is me yes ah i ah okay it like <sighs> I, I I can't English it well enough right now, but oh my god, I just <sighs> I will say Journey was just such a cute little kid. She was everything that I wish had been around when I was growing up. Oh my god, if I could have had this movie as a kid, yeah, it just. Ah, the thing that's nice though is at least you're in a position now where you can know that future other generations kids will get this, and that's why it's so important, and why more people need to like if if they haven't watched it yet, they have to watch Jingle Jangle. But you you're listening to this, so you have watched Jingle Jangle. We and sure have, Kay. Yes, yes, exactly. You have because you're not going to be mad at us for spoilers because I warned you multiple times before we started the episode. We, we could never be mad at you, Kay. You have the voice of the angel <laughs> and an ass like a goddess. <laughs> hey, listeners, stop moving in on my wife, okay? <laughs> oh, God. I love this movie so much. It's a lot of fun. And it makes me sad that we have to stop covering this movie. So what's our next show, Kay? So we can blame Cortland from Up All Night for this one. God damn it, Cortland, I blame you! Because he, he brought this to my attention. And while this is going to delay the next Land Before Time movie by never, an episode... Never mind, Cortland, I love you. <laughs> hold that Hold that boner. Hold that boner. <laughs> We're going from one really amazing, spectacular, fantastic, beautiful Christmas movie to one that I forgot existed. That's never a good sign. We're going to be watching Pokey Little Puppy's First Christmas. I don't want to poke a puppy. That, that, that sounds... Is it a bestiality Christmas movie? Pokey is in slow. Oh, as in, like, he just sort of meanders and walks slowly. I didn't slowly. realize that pokey meant slow. Like slow poke. Yeah. Like, but I've never heard someone say slow pokey. And you do, like, think about you do the hokey pokey. You do that quickly. You don't do the hokey pokey slow. Did you ever read Pokey Little Puppy? No. You never read Pokey Little Puppy? Not that my brain recalls. We're going to have fun with this one. 
I think Kay's eyes just lit up because they know they get to torture me. Because I'm going to be tortured with this one, too. So, next week, Pokey Little Puppy's First Christmas. I don't want to poke a puppy. I want to pet a puppy. There's a puppy right there oh. that you can pet. Well, I'm going to pet that puppy. Yeah, a sleepy puppy. So, thank you so much for listening and for uh, indulging in the excited screaming <laughs> for this one. This was a slightly non-traditional episode. And that's okay. That's okay. Because it's our show and we'll do what we want, goddammit. Exactly. <laughs> so that's why we've been doing all these movie musicals. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all so much for joining us this week for Jingle Jangle. If you'd like to reach out to Kay and I, please do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There you can find links to our social medias, our Instagrams, our Facebooks, our Twitters and Facebooks. Wait. I said some of those repeatedly, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> Just go to them twice. I don't know. And <laughs> you can also find a link to our to the uh, Cast Junkie Discord server where we have our own Not Safe for Work channel. There you can pop in, say hi, talk about musical theater, or just shoot the shit. And if you want to go above and beyond and help support our show, you, we've got a couple of different ways. You can buy some cool merchandise like pins and hoodies and tapestries and, well... I guess they're more like giant flags of the trippy jello cat. <laughs> um, and stickers and stuff on our Tee Public, which is linked on our website. Or you can go above and beyond that and join our Patreon. And there you can get a cool shout-out in the intermission of our show, as well as bonus material, including an upcoming episode about the rare opera by Joseph Bologna, The Anonymous Lover, which was available through L.A. Opera. And it is amazing. That was fun. That was very fun. And so you can hear us talk all about it uh, this week on our Patreon episode. Uh, we're going to be trying to get more of those bonus episodes out sooner. This year's been crazy. It's been 2020. I'm Kay. This is 2020. <laughs> I'm Orn. This is 2020. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you all again so much for listening. I think that'll do it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Deaf. Are you a pokey puppy? Are you a pokey puppy? It's a little bee pokey puppy. Third Christmas? Second Christmas? Third. Yeah. Because she got Christmas box two years ago. And that was her first Christmas box. You still have Christmas box. Yeah, you still have Christmas box. And Christmas reindeer. Most of them.